You are listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister, followed up by question and answer exchanges with groups of his students. My teacher always used to say, be careful because people are always unreliable. On a long enough timeline, people are always unreliable. And when I pushed him a little further, he said, actually, all things are unreliable. We build entire lives around the idea that we can count on this or that to happen for sure. When in actuality, that for sure is very, very, it's a speculative bet. Things can surprise us. And one of the most important spaces that we can begin to cultivate within us as practitioners is a sense of the temporariness of everything. Anything that can be conceived in our mind or felt in our bodies will be temporary. Any relationship we have will be temporary. Anything material or physical that we have will be temporary. Many of us are experiencing um, our bodies kind of going into different places that we didn't expect them to go into as we uh, mature. Uh, many of us have had relationships that we didn't expect to go the way they did. We can't count on anything to be static and stable. No thing will ever, ever, ever bring us peace. So this is kind of a radical notion to a mind that is desperate to kind of grasp and understand because the mind uh, as much as it says it wants a break wants to ease up wants wants to find peace be able to codify you know literally create a code for peace so that it can always access this peace it's uh, it's the disease and it's not that our mind isn't a wonderful wonderful tool it's that, as I always say, we are so often tooled by our minds. We are run ragged. We are run ragged by our minds. And so what comes up for us in meditation is to address that raggedness. Actually, the great search for each of us, the great spiritual search is usually brought on by the recognition that things in life aren't reliable. When we come to that realization, when we, when we recognize that things aren't reliable, 
especially the way they used to be. I've always been able to do it this way and suddenly it's not working. It's as if we are pounding our thumbs with a hammer on a nail continually, continually, and we're wondering, why the hell is this hurting? I keep changing different nails, you know, and, and it's still hurting every time I hit it. It's move your thumb. Thunk, oh. Similarly, in meditation, real meditation is not about a technique. It's not about counting your breaths. It's not about noting the experience. It's not about recognizing, oh, there's a memory, there's a judgment, there's a plan. It's not about focusing on the mystical third eye until it explodes into the Big Bang, you know? I mean, all those things work to bring us an experience. But an experience is just a thing. And things are temporary. So we run into this situation quite frequently. I thought I, you know, I thought I was enlightened, felt like it. Had this really cool meditative experience, and you know, this I was in this state that was just so amazing. That had to have been enlightenment. Well, okay. Um, if it was a state, it's not enlightenment. Especially if it was your state. That's not enlightenment. That's called a state. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that state. That state is pointing you, just like all other states, to its source. If we can uncover that source, the source to all things, the source to every single bit of unreliability, if we can get to the source, we suddenly find something that was neither born, it has never been born, nor will it ever die. It is the source of everything. And in that source, we uncover perpetual stability because it is totally singular. It actually holds the entire universe. It is simultaneously within, through, and beyond the entire universe, that spaciousness. And we can give it all sorts of names. But you can experience it right now as the felt sense of being. This felt sense of being, this very moment. That felt sense is a pointer to the unquantifiably rich, perpetually uncontracted openness that we call our natural state. We call it our original face. We call it spirit, God, awareness. And if you can get beyond every one of those words 
and just endeavor to continually have a direct experience with that openness. The openness beyond the word openness. Spirit beyond the word spirit, God beyond the word God. If you can continually remain available, aware to your experience day in and day out, you're on the path. When it becomes more deeply realized in your experience, as you realize it within your experience, you can be in, begin to transcend the experience. And the great search starts to pay off because you realize you have nothing to look for. You have precisely nothing to do. When we are doing stuff, when we are trying to apprehend this concept, we are automatically, in uh, the Christian tradition, we call it uh, sin. We're missing the mark in archery. Archery, when you draw and release, sin is when we miss, miss the mark. In uh, Arabic, we call it jihad. It's when we miss the personal sense of godly expression when we're not close to it. So this great search that we tend to be on because we recognize the unreliability of all things, the great search itself actually reifies or supports the very sense of separation that we're trying to get away from because the search is almost entire, entirely directed out there. It's got to be out there somewhere. I've got to find it. I'll, 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 go, I'll go sit with this group, or I'll go you know, read this book, or I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, 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 instead of ungoing. That's the work. The real work is in the ungoing. It's the undoing and what that does is it creates this spontaneous still spaciousness from which realization occurs. It's in the not moving. It's in the not moving that the separation breaks down. We start to recognize the lack of boundaries. We start to uncover the deep singularity that applies equally to each and every single person. Each and every single animal, each and every single tree, each and every single rock, pebble, and we are thus enlightened by all of those things because we recognize ourselves in them. We can oftentimes really powerfully recognize ourselves in other people, especially if they generate resistance within us. If someone creates resistance within us, usually what's happening is their contraction is brushing up against our own. 
And in that, we can begin to see, actually, from this witnessing space, our own contraction. Instead of being caught by it, you know, and pulled, being hooked by it, we are essentially unhooking ourselves from it and observing it. We're observing it as an object, just like we can observe our experience as an object. We can observe our experience as a thing. And all things are temporary. That which is observing the thing is eternal. It doesn't move. It recognizes the movement. The very thing in you right now that is registering sound coming from my face that can identify it as sound prior to the categorization of what the hell is he saying or this is totally right on or this is so confusing or the, the light off of his bald head is distracting me or whatever it happens to be, before it gets there, when it's just raw, primordial, naked awareness, that space right there is eternal. That space is beyond pain. It's also beyond bliss. It is beyond good. It is beyond evil. It holds all those things in the contracted conventional space. They're right there. Every one of those dualisms. But in this a-dualism, in this deep unity, there are all sorts of other choices. Every time when we habitually turn right, but we make a choice to turn left, we open ourselves up to that infinite spaciousness. So as intellectual as this may sound, if um, any of this hits your intellect and you started going, oh yes, I understand it, then I have failed. Because really where this talk is supposed to reach is that place in you which has always known infinity. It's always recognized some spaciousness, some observing awareness that hasn't changed ever within you or on the outside of you. It's always been there. And when it hears its name called, it recognizes, it recognizes that call. Sometimes it shows up in a way that we can actually realize. And that's our work. The way we can realize it then is actually quite simple. It's be still. Be still. Even in the midst of great activity, be still. Observe your experience. Be still. 
even in the face of total unreliability. Be still. Observe it. And then act from that place of open stillness only. <laughs> only act from that place of stillness if you can. Because when you do, you're helpful. Automatically, without thinking about it, without creating an agenda, you're automatically helpful when you act from that place of stillness. It's conscious. Your activity becomes something that evolves from and comes from an embrace of all things as opposed to something that separates and compartmentalizes. That's our work. That's the work of a bodhisattva. That's the work of an enlightened being that instead of staying in the singularity, recognizes it, meets it, and then brings it home as they cook mac and cheese or feed the dog or brush their teeth or listen to their neighbor yell at them. Um, I have a couple of comments. One, you shouldn't give us the distracting image of the light shining down, etc. The light shining down on my <coughs> bald head? Right. It's distracting? Because some, somehow then... That's all you see. Off it went away. Yeah. Okay. The I'll remember that. And the second <laughs> one is you shouldn't be so hard on yourself in saying that, you know, if we started thinking about the things that you were talking about, then you failed because, you know, Sheila's been listening all along, and as she said earlier, she made some choices during the course of the day. And I'm assuming that what you said tonight... Um, when we make those choices and alter our behavior, that it has come through, even when we've thought about it. And I think Wes and I were talking after last time, and he made a comment about, oh, well, it sort of leaks in. Didn't you say that? Yeah. And, and I thought that was really appropriate. It does. It sort of leaks in. and you start finding that your behavior is changing in response to other th to things that you would have done differently before. And it's definitely not better before. <laughs> right. So uh, maybe I'll knock off the self-effacing humor. There you go. Okay. But at the same time, I think where it leaks in is mm -hmm. not in here, in the mind. It leaks in here. And where, I, think where it it leaked in I think that that's right about the leaking, but I think, <laughs> I think, there we go. Yeah, right. um, for some of us who are so used to thinking all of mm -hmm. our lives, um, sometimes we have to catch ourselves. You know, the guy cutting in on the freeway, the example that we've talked right. about before, you suddenly say to yourself, huh, so, right. you know, right. and, and smile. Right. And, and yes, it, it did. It leaked in somewhere, but then you bring it into your consciousness and you Is think that about it when I think, uh, no? 
Yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, when the guy cuts <laughs> in in front of me and right. I'm able to sort of check myself and... Let go? And let go. You had to be aware of it first, right? Yes. And that awareness has absolutely 100% nothing to do with your brain or your mind or your ego. That My was first reaction did, though. <laughs> yeah, but that's exactly what we're trying to get away from. Right. Right? I'm not trying to play with you here, but it's, no. it's really important that you recognize that this space that we develop is not about mind. It's actually the very thing that transcends mind. The space is uncontracted. The mind is contracted. The space allows. It allows the person to cut in line. It allow, it's, it, it's just aware right mm -hmm. then mind kicks in or ego kicks in i will use those two things mm -hmm, interchangeably mm -hmm. all the time ego kicks in and says up oh, jerk <laughs> right mm -hmm. and that's the disease but then, so if ego yeah tries to get this i get his talk all right if ego tries to manage that experience um I'm not hitting you hard enough. That's where I was saying I was, I was failing. We're just wasting our time if we're, we're trying to understand something. If but, but taking the next step, so the cut-in jerk, you know, you got the right. ego involved. And the part of you that, that says, that laughs at yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and says, so what? Mm -hmm. That's not mind? That's, that's not ego? That's that mind. The thing that's aware of that happening is not mind. There's such okay. a subtle difference. Right. Okay. okay. I, no, I... Um, so our work here is to be aware. When we sit in meditation, mm -hmm. it's to be fully aware of whatever is without trying to change it. We just meet it fully. And as that happens, slowly but surely, we begin to notice that this whole body-mind apparatus, this self-system starts to fall apart sort of disconnects yeah it doesn't disconnect it unconnects it doesn't push anything away it doesn't break mm -hmm. except its relationship that, now this is going to get again i'm, I'm going to hit you here and it's not it's, you're going to try to work with your mind on this but it's probably I've been trying not to read the heavy <laughs> okay. books you know so good, that good, i don't right. intellectualize this <laughs> right. i mean you want to put you want to bring your intellect into this because it usually is what gets you gets you in so i'm not i don't want to to you know i don't want to diss your in, intellect or anything <laughs> but at the same time what i want to do is make sure that we're you know that's, that's, there's a clarity and that clarity is that the very thing in you that is able to be aware simply aware is your direct through line to the big self okay the very next tilt that goes into any type of reactive pattern, habit, or anything like that, or dialogue, or reaction, that's the small self. Now, maybe on the out outer reaches, like especially when we can laugh at ourselves, that's, that's like really close. You're getting really, really close, but the big leap is that peaceful, oh, the curiosity but not the knowing. So if you can allow your intellect to get you to that place 
and then fearlessly go the next step, which is shh, really shh, then radical transformation is available. Now, did you feel something there? Or did you think something? The radical, the, the ra I heard radical and I thought, yeah, but that was back in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Such a it's ever present. It's a product, yeah. Yeah. Radical mm -hmm. meaning root mm -hmm. without form. A root into space. You become a, a being that lives from space as opposed to a being that lives from behind their face. And that, that's a radiance that every, every one of us can feel. That's a helpful person. And they're so ordinary that we can our knees. I don't know if this is really an appropriate question, but I guess is that the purpose of cone study? Or that's why to kind of riddle us up and throw us off balance? It's to throw the mind into a skid so that it can't move can't go anywhere with it and it tries it tries to figure it out okay but koan study and i, and I haven't it hasn't been a, a, a tremendous part of my practice a little bit but not not very much koan study is about dissolving into the koan a koan essentially is um what is the sound of one hand clapping Immediately it puts, yeah, if a tree falls in the woods and there's no one there to hear it, you know, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. But what is the sound of one hand clapping is so, it's such a, I, I find that truly profound because it really is, our normal experience is this against this, right? It's, we're getting hit all the time. And because of those hits, we develop defense. And that defense then enables this giant system to, to kind of, uh, uh, th uh, think that it's it's protecting us as we go through the world when in fact it's insulating us from life, real life, real living, ultimate living. And so when we break down that barrier so there's no longer the crash, it's just celebration. And it's an effulgent, huge, massive expanse that we then carry with us. <laughs> 